Good evening. I told Eric, I said, you ain't going to get out of here without working. We'll make you do something. If you will, let's turn to Isaiah 40. I'll take a break from John this week. I wanted to look here in Isaiah 40. And I'll give you the, the bottom line up front. Make all my, I'll give you both of my points. I was told from a young age, I don't remember who started saying this, but every time I go to leave the house or go to a, a ball game or anything, my parents would look at me and they'd say, you remember who you are and whose you are. And as a little kid, I thought, well, I'm me and I'm my dad's. And if I act like me, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> when I was real little, but. For you that, that believe, you remember who you are. You're a purchased possession. You've been redeemed. He bought you. You ain't yours, you're his. And you remember whose you are. Who is that one that bought you? That's the almighty, holy, sovereign God of heaven and earth. Remember who you are. A purchased possession. Remember whose you are, who bought you. Christ paid the price. He bought you, and he's on his throne. That's where he is right now. I want this to be comfortable. You want full comfort? That's the title of my message. You want full comfort, true comfort. I, want, I, want, I hope we can all be comfortable this evening. This is the Lord's house. I know that. This is a, a, a place where his gospel is preached. We, we reverence that. But also, like Paul said, this is my gospel. It's his. It's good news he gave us, but now, I, now I've got it. <laughs> I want to be comfortable with it. Here in Isaiah 40, verse 1, we'll just look at the first two verses. The Lord speaks here in Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. Speak to her heart and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. All sin's been put away. For she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I started to do a five W's on comfort. Who does this speak to? The Lord's speaking. That's whose, whose words they are. And it's to my people. He's speaking to a people. What is he speaking about? Comfort. Comfort. Not what we think nowadays. I looked up the definition of comfort. What is comfort? It's a noun. That's a state of physical ease. In the body, we have comfort whenever we have a sense of ease from pain and, and any constraint on us. And it also means a relief of a person's feelings. If you have grief or, or distress, you have comfort if you don't have grief and distress, right? And then a verb, that's to ease the grief, to ease the distress of somebody else. I, I want comfort, you, in the body, in the, in, the, in the spirit. And I want to be able to comfort others. I want to know how to do that. If somebody's distressed, I want to say the words that will be used of God to, to give that ease, to soothe that soul. When is the Lord speaking this? Right now. Right now. Was this a long time ago? Yes. Will this word stand if this earth is here tomorrow? You better believe it. So it's right now. This is to us. Where? Right here where we are. And why? Why does the Lord say this? Go cry comfort 
because he commanded it. He commanded it. Cry comfort to him. Everyone desires to have comfort in the body and in the mind. But I think few people, very few people have full comfort, that they have true comfort. What's the believer's comfort in this life? What's a, what's a child of God's comfort in death? What comfort do we console others with? What comfort do we have? What do I have in my arsenal, in my toolbox, to help you if you're in grief, if you're in distress? Some do not have physical comfort. And many people think if I could just, if my body, whatever it is wrong in it, if I could get that right, <laughs> if I could get physical comfort, that I'd have full comfort and everything would be fine. No, it won't. No, it won't. Some people say they have internal comfort of the mind, of the heart, of the spirit, however they word it. And if I could just, if I could get that to be okay, I'd have full comfort and everything would be fine. But it will not. That won't do it. Peace of mind ain't going to do it. Some people want financial comfort. That's about anybody, right? <laughs> financial If I could just get a couple more dollars in the bank, I'd have full comfort. I'd be fine. No, you won't. Uh -uh. I've heard that money can, can't buy happiness, but it can buy comfort, carnally, carnally speaking. <laughs> uh, but he'll just make you more what you already are. If somebody's sad, you're just going to be sad in a big house. If you're mean, you're just going to be meaner in a big house. It ain't going to change you too much. If you're giving and generous and kind, you're just going to be able to give more and be kinder and all that. But it ain't going to give you full comfort. Some say comfort's found in being able to handle hard times. Whenever those hard times come, when that physical pain comes or that, that soul pain comes or, or whatever it is, that grief comes, I can handle it. That's called resilience. People say, if I could just have resilience, I'd have full comfort. No, you won't. No, they won't. Some look to escapism, whether that's travel or a, a hammock and a tiki drink <laughs> or, or drugs or a physical experience, skydiving or adrenaline junkies, whatever they are. If they could just get that, if I get one more rush, I can escape, get relief, and I'll have full comfort. No, you won't. All of those things cannot give true, lasting, full comfort. And none of those things give you the verb to be able to comfort somebody else. Hold out a little bit. Tomorrow's going to be better. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. The sun will come up tomorrow. It might not. If someone was sick in the body, if they was heart sick, or, or if they was about to die, if they was disturbed, what comfort can I give in these things, in these earthly things? If you notice in Song of Solomon, or not Song of Solomon, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, in, in chapter 1, verse 2, he said, Vanity of vanities. Saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all's vanity. Do you know how he ends Ecclesiastes in chapter 12? Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all's vanity. He just said it a little bit quicker. <laughs> Everything in this world just going to burn. Living grace and dying grace are intertwined. We're so worried. I want to have dying grace when that time comes. But I may have a whole lot of living between now and then. I need grace to live in this world. I need some comfort between now and then. I'm going to experience some things I need comfort in. Halfway through Ecclesiastes in chapter 7, it says it's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. It's better to, to need comfort. He said, for that's the end of all men. This, this life's going to burn up, and the living will lay this to heart. Those that have a new creation in them, they're going to say there's something there. 
I need to know about this. The only means to have comfort is to have spiritual life. We have to have that new creation in us. And, and that's for the Lord Jesus Christ to abide in us and us to abide in him. That unity, that oneness. That's where we're going to have comfort. That's where it's going to be given. The pain of life, the pain found in the act of this body dying, it, it can only be made comfortable. True comfort. If, we're, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it to be made one with Christ? That's him living in me and me living in him. What does that mean right now to you and me? If we know that, if I know that he, I, I'm his, he's in me, and I abide in him, he's my only hope. He's everything. He's not the biggest part of my life. He's my life. That's comfort. That's comfort. There, verse 1 again. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Saith your God, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. All that fighting and grieving and sorrow, that's accomplished. And that her iniquities pardoned. That's the cause of all of it. Why is my body hurt? Sin. Why am I sad? Sin. Why do I grieve? Sin. If it's a pinky toe, <laughs> or just, I mean, rent your clothes and scream. Sin's a reason. Your warfare is accomplished, the iniquity's pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Double. The Fred Evans got up to read, I thought he was preaching, I he was reading scripture. And he read this and he started commenting on it. And I said, uh-oh. <laughs> People's going to find out their time difference. They thought I stole everything. But there's been peoples of old say, well, if somebody, if they didn't attain and they didn't get sanctified themselves enough and they just got into heaven by the skin of their teeth, they just barely made it. Not so. Uh, I beg to differ. The uh, Correction. The scriptures beg to differ. That thief on the cross, you know what he received? The same thing you did, the same thing I did. He got double. Double for all his sins. An abundance. He got Christ, our inheritance, didn't he? Now, Knowing him, does your work tough? Does your neck hurt? Does your leg hurt? Are you broken? You can't pay your bills? That's comfort to know that. Now, those things will still happen. Work still might be tough. Your neck still may hurt, and, and you still may not be able to pay your bills. <laughs> but to know him is comfort. Comfort doesn't mean health and wealth and, and all this glad living and these earthly comforts and benefits as we call them. That Rebecca was pregnant with twins, wasn't she? And she cried to the Lord. She, they struggled within her. They was fighting inside her. And she said, if I'm so, if I do have life in me, why? Why am I thus? You know what she was you know that child of God was saying? Why me? I know that's never happened to any of you all, but I've had trials come on, and I said, why me? I've been rowing in that boat in that big storm. And I said, I'm out here where you told me to go, Lord. I'm doing what you told me to do. Why are these waves? If this is so, why am I thus? And she inquired to the Lord, and the Lord said, Two nations are in your womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. That's every one of us, isn't it? I got an old man and a new man. I've done something in you, and I'm going to prove my gospel through you, Rebecca. Wouldn't that be comfort? He spoke. She inquired. He answered. He spoke to her. He said, It's fine. Here's what I'm doing. Now, guess what? She was still pregnant, wasn't she? There's still two babies inside her womb, and she just had to wait. Had to wait on the Lord. And war is won, but the battles still take, take place, don't they? Why? Why is there so much discomfort in this body, in this mind, in this flesh, where this new creation lives? Sin. 
That's why. We have iniquity. We have sin. We have transgression. We have everything. Sin is what takes away all the comfort in this world. All the what we call joy, whenever you're happy. Sin's what takes it away. And when you're brought to a place where that sin that's so easily beset us, it's been put away, that's been handled. Lord took care of it for eternity. It's been blotted out. Then that's when comfort comes. That's when comfort comes. When the war of sin and death and, and grave and hell, all that's been conquered. That comfort that you have when you see that, that's the same eternal comfort you're going to have forever and ever and ever and ever. That ain't going to change. We'll be looking to the one that saved us, his person and his work. When we see him, now all of a sudden, you can breathe in that trial a little bit. You feel like the world's sitting on your shoulders. You can, you can relax just a little bit. That, that little foretaste, that little down payment, that's going to be the comfort of eternity being with him. That's what it's going to be. How will this take place? How will my iniquity be pardoned? How will I be reconciled to the holy God I was warm with? What's going to be the thing that just that settles me, that takes that grief away? Turn over a few pages, Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. There in verse 9, the Lord says, Break forth into joy, Isaiah 52, 9. Break forth into joy. Sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. We're in a waste place. Do you feel like that? Do you ever feel like this is a dump? <laughs> Why would we break forth into joy? Why would we start singing? For because the Lord hath comforted his people. How? He hath redeemed Jerusalem. He's bought you. That means something. That's too simple, Kevin. No, it ain't if you understand what it is. I had to shrink this down to seven pages of notes. He's redeemed his people. You go tell them the war's over, their iniquities pardoned, I bought them. They're mine. The comfort to the child of God that the Lord's redeemed us. That's where our comfort is. Redemption is comfort, if we know what that means. All the comfort, all that true, that full comfort we can have in this life because the Son of God came and laid down His life. Whenever we see, and we have it now, we have it for eternity because He laid down His life for me and I'm His and He's mine. And the cost of that, the cost of that redemption, the cost of that purchase of this old broken, dirty vessel that you think wasn't worth nothing, the payment it was unmeasurable and immeasurable. That means you can't find out how, what the size was and there ain't no way to even begin to account for it. It was his blood. Acts 20 says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the, all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. That was the cost that he bought us with. What's that mean? He has ownership. If I own something, I'm responsible for it. If I own that property uh, up there on Lawson Valley, I'm responsible for the taxes. I'm responsible if somebody falls down and hurts themselves. I'm responsible if a dog gets loose. It lands on my shoulders. I own the place. He's bought us. That means I'm his property. He has full ownership. And I have full and complete, eternal and right now, comfort knowing I'm his. He has responsibility for me. And he's mine. The church of the living God. 
is who that's talking about. He said, my people, my people, those ones I bought, that's his bride. And let me tell you, we have a good husband. We have a lovely kinsman redeemer that's just and fair and good and tender. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In verse 19, Paul speaks, he says, what? 1 Corinthians 6, 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? You know this, don't you? Which ye have of God, and you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, you know this, right? You know what that cost is. You know what a sinner I am. I know he had to put away that sin. and He did that. Now, knowing that. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He owns it. It's his. Now, thank him. That's hard, isn't it? When, all, when that grief and that, that, that sin and that weight and that struggle and just day-to-day -day life, traffic, <laughs> I, I, that's the hardest part for me. Or when the Lord deals with me, I'm driving in a car and somebody pulls out in front of me. Thank you, Lord. It's hard to be thankful, isn't it? We know who we are. We know whose we are. Thank him. Thank him. And you know that. Glorify God in your body. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Just a few pages. The quality of this eternal comfort found in the blood of Christ. It's found in his redemption. Paul said, in, This is my comfort and affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. In all these trials, I'm comforted because your words gave me life. Look here in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. That means if it's true comfort, if it's lasting comfort, it's his. He's the God of it. It's found in him. It's directed by him. It's dispensed by him. And it concerns his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his. He owns it. Comfort's his possession. I'm his possession, so is comfort, too. His person and his work is not a great comfort. The Lord Jesus Christ, who he is and what he accomplished on that tree and why he walked to this earth and coming out of that grave, that's not the chief, the best comfort. It's the only comfort. Everything else is going to perish. Everything, you get, get the fanciest car on earth, and it's going to rust. And, and poor Kimberly, she married me, and I'm so handsome. Someday I'm going to get ugly. <laughs> this body goes down. Everything does. Him. Him. That husband will only get better looking. <laughs> Our love will grow stronger for him every day. It will. Look here in verse 4. This God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. He sent the tribulation, and he's going to comfort us in that tribulation. Why? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. He said, comfort ye my people. That means his people need the same comfort that the other people of his need. We're the same family. We're the same body. We have the same need, don't we? He said, comfort them. That way we can comfort one another. That's one of the purposes the Lord uses these trials he sends us and the body and the mind and 
the pocketbook, whatever. He comforts us during that. And we see who we are and whose we are. That way we can turn to our brethren whenever they're having a bad day. And we can say, who bought you? Is he able? Is the Lord on his throne? Of course he is. We're comfortable with it. Where'd that pattern come from? My Lord, does he just work that in us? We're all by ourselves as the body of Christ. We have a high priest that can't be touched with the filling of our infirmities. We don't have one of those. But this high priest that we have, he was touched at all points and tempted in all points, just like us. How is that possible? I have no idea. I believe it. I believe it. Everything, he knows what it's like to give birth to a child. How is that possible? I have no idea. So he says so. In every way, at all points, he was tempted like we are, yet without sin. He knows. He knows how to comfort. How can I comfort another brother and sister in this body, in, 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 in the mind, in, on a deathbed? Or how can I comfort those who just lost ones they loved? Paul's talking there in 1 Thessalonians 4. He's saying, our Lord's coming. This one who has saved us, who is saving us and shall save us, he's coming again. He's risen for us. He bought us. He's risen. And he's on his way back. He's coming. Either we're going to be pulled to him or he's coming to us. We're going to be united again. And he said, wherefore comfort one another with these words. He's on his throne. We're going to be with him. This, this life's a vapor. The, and and I, my hurt too. It seems like the pain ain't ever going to stop and the woes ain't ever going to stop. Yesterday I was 24 years old. Now I'm 42. That fast, isn't it? It is. He wasn't lying. We remember those things. Turn over to Romans 8. This comforter, the God of all comfort that bought us, he tells his bride that the warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. She's received the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. Brother Top Lady wrote that at the ripe old age of 38 before he died. And he said, let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flow be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. He's bought us. We're his and he's cleaned us. He's washed us. We're holy. We'll be given his righteousness. We can't enter into that now. I look forward to, to learning an eternity. I know that. To see him without sin. Look here in Romans 8 verse 26. Romans 8 26. I'm getting to Romans 8.28, but that begins with an and, doesn't it? I mean, there's something before it. Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Which ones? The body, the mind, the spirit, all of them. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knoweth what the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That's his people. That give you comfort? Whenever those infirmities come on and I pray, it's wrong. Oh, take us away. Oh, make us stop hurting. Well, it needs to hurt, or he wouldn't make it. And I don't know what to pray for, but that spirit makes intercession. 
and says, you accomplished this trial. You finished this course that you've wheeled, Lord. This is, this is your wheel. You accomplished it in that person, in that child of God. Accomplish it in them. And then we're taught all things work together for good to his people because that warfare has been accomplished. That sin's been put away. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow. This happened a long time ago. <laughs> he purposed this. If we go on in Isaiah 40, it says the voice crieth in the wilderness. And then the voice said to him, cried. He said, what am I going to cry? That was just the voice speaking through John the Baptist is all it was. That's his purpose. He did his for it. It says the voice said. <laughs> for whom did he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, just like him. Moreover, whom he predestinated, them he also called. And whom he called, them he justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son. That's the cost of purchase, isn't it? But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Well, if somebody accuses us of something. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. This, this purchase is done. It's eternal. Who's he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's what this all stems from, isn't it? That foreknowledge, that love beforehand. Because he would, out of his perfect will, it pleased him. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? So those trials that's on the outside, is that going to separate us? No. I'm his. He's mine. He's on his throne. What about distress of the mind, oh, of the heart, of the soul? Is that going to do it? No, he's comforting us, isn't he? What about persecution? Those against us or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. What about wars? What about those mean people that's plotting on me? <laughs> it don't matter. As it is written, verse 36, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That's comfort, isn't it? For I am persuaded that neither death, and this is precious, nor life. He ain't going <laughs> to hurt me to the point I perish, and he ain't going to bless me to the point I walk away from him. Neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're his. He bought us. And he's on his throne. He's sovereign. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent and, and, and omniscient. Nobody's going to trick him. Nobody's going to dethrone him, are they? I'm his and he's mine. The Lord that's chose us in Christ, the Lord that loved us in Christ, that, that we lived in him as he walked this earth, we died in him as the Lord slew his only son, and, and we were in him when he rose. And right now, as he's seated on his throne, we're with him. We don't see that now, but whenever we close these eyes in death and we awake made like him, we'll realize we've been there the whole time. We'll understand what unity means. He's on his throne right now making intercession for us here. And he's ruling and he's reigning all things for our good and his glory. A-double-L. All. 
Now, doesn't that make you comfortable? They tripled our, our property taxes, honey. That's all right. Lord did it. <laughs> My flight got canceled. I'd be really happy about that. I put Eric to work again. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. The Lord did it. Isn't it? He comforts his people by making us see we're not our own. We're bought with a price. That we have eternal life right now. That's what he gave us. A holy life that cannot sin in us. A new creation. His workmanship. And knowing we will be made like him. And we will be without sin. And we're going to be in a perfect body that, that ain't never going to cry. It ain't never going to have arthritis. It ain't never going to get hiccups. It's just going to be perfect. And, and so that way nothing distracts us from worshiping him. I don't even know what that's going to be like. That's the best words we have for it, isn't it? And everything that happens now, what we think's wars, what we think's just the burden of sin and all that, it's for our good and his glory. And I'm going to tell you a story real quick. It's been told a whole lot. My brother Jack Shanks told it, and I don't know, he probably got it from somebody else. But there was a king, and he had a, a servant, and they were really good friends. They grew up together. And everywhere that king went, that servant went. And they were just best of friends. And they talked about everything. They loved hunting and fishing and riding horses. And it's a long time ago. And so they liked to go hunting together. And so they'd always go out. And anything that ever happened, that servant would look at the king and said, that's good. Oh, they forgot to shoe the horses. Oh, that's good. When well, no, I want my horses shot. <laughs> or, well, we was going to go duck hunting. It started raining. Oh, that's good. That's good. You always say that's good. Well, they went out hunting one day, and the servant always loaded the musket for the king. And he went to shoot, and when he shot, it was a bad load. Blew out the side of the musket, blew his thumb off. King's thumbless. And he said, that's good. And that king said, no, that's not good. I'll never play guitar again. I'm missing a thumb. What do you mean that's good? That hurt. Put him in prison. They took his best friends, whole lifelong friends, and threw him in prison because he's mad at him. Well, he healed up. A year or so went by, and... King's out hunting again. He's out there where they have cannibals. Sure enough, them cannibals caught him. They tied him up, and they had a big old pot of water like them old cartoons, getting ready to dunk him in there, going to cook him up and eat him. And they had a superstition in that culture that if a body that they was going to eat wasn't whole, they couldn't eat it. He'd kill him, kill every, the whole tribe. And they looked him over, and they saw he's missing a thumb. They said, we can't eat you. And they cut him loose and sent him off. And he got to thinking about his friend that said this was good. It was right. It was good. And he went to that prison. He said, brother, come out of there. He said, I've been mad at you. I'm sorry. He said, you should have never been put in this prison. He said, uh-uh, me being in this prison was good. He said, no, it wasn't. This was terrible. He said, no, it was good. He said, because if I wasn't in this prison, I'd have been with you, and I got both of my thumbs. They'd hate me. I hope I can remember. I thought of that all week, Bob. I was out there planting. There's a whole bunch of crabgrass growing through my raised bed. And I thought, that's good. And if I'd have cut my thumb off, I hope, I'd have said, that's good. My tooth started hurting, and I called me an appointment to get it fixed. And I said, I, don't, I ain't looking forward to it, but it's going to be good because I'm his and he's mine. Oh, taste and see that the Lord's good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. And I had to look up blessed. Comforted is the man that trusted in him. You know when all my comfort, the sin is not believing God. When my comfort's just gone, it's when I'm looking at me. But when I see him, everything's right as rain, isn't it? This comfort comes to 
I know who I am, whose I am, but that comfort that comes, it's sufficient. It's always sufficient in any situation. I'll never go wrong. I'll never give bad advice saying, look to your Lord. Where's he at? What'd he do? Is it finished? Or you got something left to do? No, it's finished. It says so. Never go wrong. That comfort's always sufficient. I hope that comforts you. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we're so prone to wonder to ourselves. We're so prone to seek ourselves and our situation and our body and mind and the things around us. Set our affections on things above, on our Lord who sits on his throne, who's bought us with an unimaginable price of his blood, who owns us, who keeps us. We're his responsibility, Lord. Let us see his power and trust him and believe him and be comforted. And when you do that, Lord, give us the ability to comfort those that need comfort. Give us the word to proclaim Christ to those on a deathbed or those on a mountaintop. Make us faithful and keep us that way. Forgive us for our weakness and our sin. Be with our brethren that aren't with us here tonight. Give them comfort as only you can. It's because of Christ and his intercession and his work and his person that we ask these things. Amen. Brother Mike.